Welcome back to the Crash Course Podcast. My name is Craig Crash Collins, joined as always by Brandon Scott, otherwise known as B Scott. We've got a lot to talk to you guys about today. Uh, a lot of football to go over. We're going to talk about the wild weekend that was the AFC and NFC Championship game. We're also uh, going to get into, uh, oh, we're not going to get to get into the Super Bowl because we've got that whole big uh, show coming next week. Um, but we are going to kind of, you know, sprinkle our commentary on there a little bit uh, to give you guys a little bit of a taste on what we think of the game. Um, as well as, of course, the biggest news, which is Philip Rivers retiring. Uh, kind of a look back at the one season that Rivers spent uh, in a Colts uniform, as well as predict who we think is going to be under center for the Colts in 2021. So a lot of football stuff to get to be Scott. Yeah. And uh, I can tell you guys, this is going to be a good one because we, Craig and I, uh, we, we agree on a lot of things, but we're definitely disagreeing tonight. Yeah. We definitely have uh, a lot to cover and uh, a little bit more than normal to disagree upon uh, on this podcast. So uh, let's go ahead and just j- dive right into uh, what we are going to be talking about here tore off the beginning. And that, of course, is the championship weekend. Uh, first, it started off with the NFC championship game uh, won by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 31 to 26. Kind of an upset here. Obviously, Tampa Bay came into uh, the playoffs as the fifth seed, but uh, they are able to upset the uh, top seeded Packers. And you know what? Tampa Bay got going early. They had a Mike Evans touchdown. Uh, from Tom Brady in the first quarter. That was the only point scored in the first quarter. Um, Both teams kind of traded scores throughout the first half. It was 14 to 10. And then probably, I mean, looking back at the game, the the play at the end of the first half, I think hurts a lot more than some of the stuff that came later on in the game uh, because Scotty Miller uh, gets behind the Packers defense and, and makes a catch. Uh, for a touchdown. So instead of going into the half at uh, 14 to 10, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay carries an 11 point lead. Um, Just kind of, it's kind of funny because Aaron Rodgers has had so many great, like end of half, end of games type Hail Mary throws. And it finally goes against the Packers this time. Tom Brady connects with Scotty Miller instead of a four point game at the half. It's an 11 point game at the half. Uh, a Cameron Bright touchdown reception from Tom Brady makes it 28 to 10. So it looks at that point like Green Bay is all but done. The Packers do fight back, though. Touchdown passes to uh, Robert Tunyon, as well as Devontae Adams, makes it a 28 23 game heading into the final quarter of play. Uh, Ryan Suckup's field goal with 442 made it 31 to 23. And then, of course, B. Scott, this is the this is the uh, part we're going to first disagree on because uh, the Packers have the ball uh, a little over two minutes to go in the game. They're uh, in a fourth down and goal situation, and instead of going for it, uh, they end up kicking the field goal, uh, and which makes it 31-26. to 26. They uh, are just basically banking on getting the football back, although they do not. Um, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, are become the first team uh, ever to uh, play in their home stadium uh, for the Super Bowl because the Super Bowl will be in Tampa in a couple of weeks. So uh, the Buccaneers win the NFC. Tom Brady does it again, makes it to his 10th Super Bowl. And, yeah, insane. Here, here, here's what's funny. It's um, I think it was somebody said when Tom Brady was playing in his first Super Bowl, um, Pat Mahomes was in kindergarten. <laughs> 
That's wild. There's a picture side by side. Tom Brady at the age of 24 when he was getting ready for his first Super Bowl and Pat Mahomes was six. Six years old. That's That's insane. wild to think of. Well, and like I've even I saw I was watching a uh, a, a Twitch stream earlier today that was, was you know somebody said in chat that like you could break up Tom Brady's like career into basically like three like he's played across like three decades now and you could make the case for like you know why he's a possible Hall of Famer in all of, like just by taking those decades apart. Now I know that oh, we're yeah. only two two years into this one, but still all that he's been able to do and like and I said this on Twitter yesterday like as much as I want to be salty that the Packers lost in kind of the way they lost um you know I, I can be salty all I want but at the end of the day I mean Tom Brady is just insane and we're it's kind of like the LeBron thing you can hate LeBron you can hate Tom Brady but at the end of the day we are watching some of the best to ever do it you know See, before it's easier to respect Tom Brady just because Tom Brady goes out and does it yeah you know, and doesn't have all the side antics and everything or these big decisions. Like when he made this decision to sign with Tampa Bay, it just kind of broke. People yeah. talked about it. He didn't have a sit down with the number. He didn't have a sit down with Ed Warner or any of the top, you know, I may be dating myself with that one, but you know, <laughs> he didn't sit down, have like a press conference with a one-on-one with Adam Schefter and I'll be taking my talents to Tampa Bay. He, you know, Tom Brady just goes out and does it. I think the biggest thing why people did not like don't like Tom Brady is one here in Indianapolis because the rivalry of the Colts first in the Patriots, you know, Tom Brady kept Peyton Manning out of the Super Bowl several times. But I think it all boils down to the hatred towards of Bill Belichick. Yeah. To be honest, you know, I've seen more people say, you know what, I'm happy for Brady to get to this Super Bowl, mostly because of who his coach is now. Yeah. He's got a coach that you just can't hate. Bruce Arians, everybody loves Bruce Arians. So and we have seen more of Tom Brady's personality since he's been in Tampa and he's it's shown true. Yeah, and it's such a, it's a personality that you're like, wait a second, he's likable. Right. I'll give you the, I mean, the was, whole situation with Drew Brees and him coming back out and tossing the football around with Brees' kids and everything. It's like it was Bill Belichick that was making him out to be this big villain. Yeah. You know, because Belichick likes to keep a stranglehold on everything that goes that comes out of that organization. And all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, is this do I actually like Tom Brady? I mean, yeah, I mean, you've seen him have so much success, but I don't feel like in the past I'd be like, oh my gosh, it's I made the they made the Super Bowl again. I guess it's because it was the Patriots. And I think that's like I said, I think it's mostly because of Bill Belichick and not really Tom Brady. Now I agree with you on the whole like decision thing you said earlier, but do you not think that Tom Brady kind of did drag out his free agency that not that he doesn't have, not that he doesn't have the right to do that, but you can't say that it wasn't. It was the first time he's ever really been a free agent. Right. But I'm saying like, like, at, at, at his age, he has every right to drag it out and decide where am I going to finish my career? Where do I want to move my family to? You know, there's a lot of decisions to be made, whereas there, there wasn't a lot of fanfare other than, you know, just the morning talk shows talking right. about it. And that was going to be there regardless. You know, that that's not thing that he can control. It's just, you know, he's Tom Brady. He's one of the biggest names in the NFL, one of the biggest names in the, in the sports industry. And he is what gets ratings and he's what gets clicks. So people are automatically going to talk about it regardless but 
him drawing it out, I mean, it's not uncommon anymore for these bigger name free agents to kind of draw things out. I mean, it's for him at his age, it is not a decision to take lightly. And I mean, he, he listened to everybody that wanted to pitch him. Obviously, you know, not everybody was going to be in the running, but I mean, heck he was, I think it is rumored or, or proven. He was here in Indianapolis, you know, talking to the Colts and right. it just ultimately it, it, that kind of decision. I mean, think about it. If you have a family with kids that, that are his, that the age that his kids are, and you are having to uproot your family for your job because you're moving to a new company and you get, you, you know, there's multiple options on the table or you're basically get putting in a transfer for your company. And you're, you got, you can move to a city A or city B you need to weigh out all the options for, for your family. It's not just, I'm going to pack up and move and go play football. You know, LeBron wasn't, it's not like, I'm just going to pack up. You know, he was at that age, his kids were much younger. So it was a little bit easier just to pack things up and move down to South beach. Whereas Brady's like, Hey, we're established here in, in Massachusetts. So I got to make the right decision. So I have no problem with him dragging it out. Cause it wasn't like, it was a, Hey, look at me and, and all this flashiness and fanfare. It was just trying to make the best decision for himself. So I have no problem with it dragging out. So you're looking at the end of this game, kind of reacting to it. Uh, there was a couple of controversial things, not from the standpoint of like anybody, you know, the outcome should have been different in any way, or, or I mean, it could have been different, but not saying that, you know, not saying that there was anything, you know, terrible that Wasn't happened. Wasn't there a pass interference, though, that should have right. been called? So, yeah, we'll get to that. So, the first the first thing would be, you know, we talked about it, you know, off stream a little bit before we before we started tonight. Um, and that is, of course, the decision by the Green Bay Packers down 31 to 23 with, you know, 205 to play before, you know, obviously the end of regulation. They decide to kick a field goal. Um, instead of, of course, going for it on fourth down, where, of course, in that situation, you score a touchdown, you get a two-point conversion, you tie it up, you give it back to the Buccaneers uh, with however much time there would have been, you know, after a touchdown play. Um, but, uh, you know, that, so that was controversial. Now, I would say this. I actually agree with the, the decision to kick the field goal, take the points, and uh, kick the ball back to Tom Brady. And the reason, I, the reason is this. So in that scenario – you, you there's basically four outcomes of, of that fourth down play. You can either have, you know, you score the touchdown, you, um, or, you know, you score the touchdown, don't get the two-point conversion. You score the touchdown, you get the two-point conversion. You kick the field goal, or you just don't get any points at all. And in every one of those scenarios, you're giving the ball back to Tom Brady regardless. Um, and you also, like, because if you go for it, you get the touchdown, and you, and you don't get the two-point conversion, then are you? Do you feel any better that you got the touchdown at that point? No, you. You eventually were going to need those eight points, so they got some of those. They got what was guaranteed to them, or what should have been guaranteed to them at that point, and that was taking the chip shot field goal. And regardless, no matter whether they scored, got the two, scored, didn't get the two, or kicked the field goal, you're giving the ball back to Tom Brady. Regardless, you still have to get the football back. Tom Brady still, you know. Two minutes for Tom Brady might as well be an entire fourth quarter. So, you know, I, I don't have really much, um, you know, I, I can understand the ruling there uh, to, to make that decision. I think the thing that stinks more um, 
and, you know, and, and I'll also add on that the Packers had had several opportunities, you know, not just on that drive, but other drives inside the goal line to score. And they were just not doing very well inside the 10 yard line yesterday. Um, but I will also say this, that um, there were obviously, you know, hindsight's 2020, but Rogers tucks that ball down on third down. Like we've seen him do so many times and runs it in, then there you go. You don't even have to worry about it. So um, right. you know, he had a clear avenue. And like I said, you know, obviously in this, you, you got a split second to make that decision. Sometimes it's the wrong decision, but I would argue to say that Rogers was trying to maybe do a little bit too much by throwing it there. If he just tucks it and runs, we're not even talking about this. So I have no problem at all with the uh, decision to go for it on fourth down. See, I, I mean, you mean you have no problem at all with the decision to kick it? Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, for me, it's, you know, I, I disagree with the kicking of the field goal because one, you are risking, I mean, regardless, it doesn't matter because kick the field goal or not, you're still losing. You're still getting the ball back to Tom Brady. And there is that risk. You may not get the ball back. However, knowing that risk is there and knowing what the odds are of like how much time may be left on the clock. I mean, this is where a Frank Reich decision comes in with all the analytics. He would have gone for it. Why? Because if you are able to get the ball back, even with like 50 seconds left on the clock, you're down by one instead of down by five. You are um, in a much better position to drive a, a shorter distance to kick a field goal and win the game than you are to have to drive 80 yards, 75 yards and score a game winning touchdown, you know, do the hard work while you have the time, which is score the touchdown. It's a two possession game. Regardless, go ahead, get the touchdown and kick the extra point. Don't try to go. I mean, even if you, I guess if you wanted to try to go for two, you could risk that because you're still only then down by two rather than one. Um, and a field goal still wins it. So there's a lot more options on the table and the odds are better in your favor. Now, obviously it doesn't really matter because the Packers never got the ball back. And even if they had, I mean, the only thing that the only difference would have been had they would have scored the touchdown on fourth, they'd gone for it on fourth down, scored the touchdown and made a two point conversion game would have been tied. They would have gone into overtime. That's the only difference, but they decided to, you know, play their hand, you know, they decide to gamble essentially. Right. And if I'm going to be gambling, I'm going to go for what the easier odds are, the better odds, you know, go for the touch, go for the touchdown on fourth down. You're probably going to make it, you, you know, there's a very good possibility you're going to make it and then um, give Brady and kick the extra point, you know, cause that's guaranteed. That's, I mean, it's not guaranteed, but, the probability of getting that extra point is higher than a two point conversion because mostly because you, the two point conversion play, you probably just ran to score the touchdown. So they're going to be, they're going to be prepared for that. Kick the extra point. You're down by one, then do everything in your power to get the ball back with as much time as possible. And then March of probably about 40 yards, 30, 40 yards. And you're in field goal range. Uh, probably about 40, 45 yards, almost 50. Um, and you're in field goal range. That's saying 
I mean, who knows? It could be less. I'm going off of if it, if it was a, there was a touchback, you know? So right. obviously that would be because either there was a punt that went into the end zone or a touchdown was scored and it wouldn't have mattered. But regardless, I just feel like the odds are better and you put yourself in a better position to win if you go for it on fourth down and score the touchdown. I'm not saying, you know, try to tie it up and everything because that then the odds are start, starting to stack against you. But I think too, hopefully uh, in the end it didn't matter because they never got the ball back. Yeah. Uh, I think also it plays into the factor too is, and maybe this is being a little bit too cute, but I also don't mind it is the fact that when you go for the field goal there, obviously a field goal is going to take less time. Um, and then you still have the basically – you basically have that fourth timeout of the – because like, regardless, if you were to play there and it takes longer than, you know, however long there was in the clock before the field goal, like probably what – it was like 209, 210. If you run a play, yeah. it's probably going to take about, you know, eight to nine seconds, and that's going to make it pretty much a guarantee that you're not going to get the two-minute warning to help you out with the timeouts. But, I mean, yeah. like I said, it's, it's, it's getting really technical, and, like, you don't have to be that cute, but I can also see that being another – motivating factor in and going ahead and kicking the field goal there um but I think of, ultimately where they lost this game was the fact was they their defense played lazy going into halftime and yeah. you cannot play lazy going into halftime because one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the league of getting scoring points in the final few final minute of the first half and then you know playing the that game right is tom brady right um and you know you know that. So why are you playing so lax on defense? Speaking of the Packers not getting the ball back, one thing that uh, was controversial um, and, you know, at the end of the game was <clears throat> the defensive pass interference call uh, on the Packers that basically gave uh, the Buccaneers the first down that would basically end the game. Um, I mean, it's one of those things, too, where, like, the Packers lost themselves the game. It was technically the right call because it was holding, but the thing that kind of stunk about it was the fact that um, the fact that the Buccaneer or the uh, the Buccaneers, I can't uh, Bunting, I think is is the cornerback's name, had had a, a couple of plays that were similar to that that the refs didn't call. The refs have been pretty much letting them play, uh, which in a championship game you love to see but you don't like to see them decide, oh, hey, you know what? Last two minutes of the game, let's decide that we're not going to just let them play and be very technical about – like, it, it, it was – if it wasn't pass interference, it was holding, but also you hadn't called that the entire game on Tampa Bay, and it ultimately was the final nail in the coffin of the Packers. Not saying – I mean, again, right. the Packers had to still get the ball back, still had to drive and score a touchdown and do something that they had struggled to do basically the entire game, which is go down and score a touchdown. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's not saying, oh, well, the, it's guaranteed the Packers would have won if it wasn't for that call. But it definitely, it definitely, I mean, it's yeah, not I'm like it. when, you know, St. Louis or right. LA Rams and right. uh, the New Orleans Saints a couple of years ago. That was a different, that was a yeah. difference maker. This oh, yeah. one, uh, maybe it could have made a difference, but you just don't know. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's one that kind of stinks to have to, Leave that window open for people to be like, "Oh, well, see, the refs want Tampa Bay and Tom Brady to win." It's like, yeah, I mean, it stinks that that's what ha that's how it happened to end, but also the Packers kind of doomed themselves. Uh, that led us into the AFC Championship game between the Bills and the Chiefs, and it started out going in favor of the Bills. The Bills in the first quarter uh, lead nine nothing coming out of that first period of play. Uh, a Dawson Knox touchdown reception from Josh Allen. 
made it nine to nothing. But then the Chiefs come alive with three touchdowns in the second quarter. One, uh, two, uh, or excuse me, sorry, a touchdown pass by Patrick Mahomes, a touchdown run by Daryl Williams, and another by Clyde Edwards Hilaire made it 21 to 12 going into the break. Um, both teams trade field goals in the third quarter. Um, and then Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey just basically do what they do. Uh, a touchdown uh, late in the third quarter as well as a touchdown midway through the fourth makes it 38 to 15 chiefs um, over the, uh, over the bills and the bills score uh, 10 more points late to make it look a little bit closer, but you know, <laughs> we talked about it. Uh, a lot last week we both thought there was a chance the bills could win we both picked the bills we both thought because we both thought that even if patrick contingent Mahomes, on one thing contingent oh, on one thing but you also said last week unless i completely am misremembering it you said that even if Mahomes plays there's a chance too that he plays less than he, what he's capable of because of the injury so right. yes if he if he absolutely you know we i think we both like kind of agree that hey if he you know is 100 percent it's going to be, but I mean, I, I thought even at hundred percent, there was a good chance the bills would win because the bill, like, well, I said me, but like what I'm saying is that like, because I thought Edward Solaire hadn't like, was the dominating force in that early game earlier in the season. He had not played that well since then. And like that, well. he played okay, but not like 150 yards or whatever he had. Well, um, right. and then Stefan Diggs had his worst, you know, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs had one of their worst games as a tandem in that game. And I just didn't think that either of those things were going to happen again, which kind of leveled the playing field back together. And the Bills were playing really well. So, uh, and then they came out and the Chiefs basically were like, yeah, we're still the, the best team in the AFC, like bar none. And <laughs> just went ahead and, and took the Bills to task a little bit. Because remember, I mean, these are the top two teams in the AFC. So it's not like the Bills were the fifth seed, fourth seed, whatever they were the you know next best team behind the Chiefs, and uh, they the Chiefs showed, hey, you know what? We're kind of a couple steps ahead of everybody else here. Right. Yeah, I, I'm not too surprised uh, that Pat Mahomes, you know, playing at 100%, was able to do what he was able to do. Um, I mean, this team is for real. This is this is gonna, folks, hold on tight. This is a dynasty in the making. Um, I just don't know if there's many teams out there that can really stop them. I mean, I'm going to, I can, I'm going to kind of make my pick now. And I, I just think Kansas city is going to win the super bowl again. You know, it's, it's just, it's tough to pick against Mahomes when you know, he's, he's healthy. When yeah. you know, he's healthy, it's tough to pick against him. I mean, you look when they last year when the Colts played them, he wasn't healthy. And he lost, but when he's healthy, he's on it. Um, you know, it, so I'm not too surprised. Uh, the Bills, I don't think they're quite there yet. They're getting there. They they just need, you know, a little bit more experience. They need, there's a few pieces that are needed. They I, honestly, for the Bills, they need to get a more reliable run game. Yeah, you know, if Stefan Diggs is not having a good game. They need somebody to, else to fall back on, whether that's a run game or other options at wide receiver, tight end help. I don't know what that is, but yes, you have a, a great tandem in Diggs and Allen. But beyond that, the Bills are, they kind of struggle to find that next person up or 
another way to change things up if something's not working out right. They become a little one-dimensional. So if they can get, if they can figure out their run game, that is going to be huge. Um, I hate to say this, Colts fans, but there's going to be a guy out there in free agency that the Bills just might be able to pick up. Uh, on a, it's a high risk, high reward. But Marlon Mack mm-hmm. might be a really good fit. He may be the piece that the Bills need to help them get over the top to get into the Super Bowl. Yeah. When you said, you know, they need to improve their running game, I was like, that's honestly, that's like one of the things that came to my mind too, is that, you know, a, a one year, because regardless of whoever gets Marlon Mack, you're going to get him for likely cheaper than what you would have had to pay for him like coming off of a normal season this year, just because of the injury. Right. So, you know, you get Mack on a one year prove it deal. That's also, you know, you know, on the team friendly side and you just kind of go for it that way. So, yeah, I think that's a, a good call. Cause yeah, this team definitely lives and dies by Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. So even if it means, I mean, there's also, I mean, yes, he's had a lot of injuries, but there's also going to be a Colts wide receiver that might be on the free agent market that could improve things in that wide receiver room. And that's T Y Hilton. So there's a couple, you know, players from the Colts that could go over and help the bills. Right, exactly. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to ultimately end up seeing that. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, not a whole lot to say about this game other than the fact that the Chiefs dominate and that sets up uh, a rematch of a, of a game that was played earlier this season between uh, the Chiefs and Buccaneers. Of course, Chiefs won that one in Tampa Bay. So it's kind of funny that these two teams already played in Tampa earlier this season. Um, and now this is the Super Bowl. And, you know, we're not going to get super – uh, in depth with this because we actually have you know our Super Bowl preview that will uh, be coming up next week. Um, but I just kind of initial thoughts on the Super Bowl. You know, it, the the thing is, is that you know Patrick Mahomes. It's it's it, it's a tough decision for me because as tough as it is to bet against Patrick Mahomes, I feel like it's equally as tough to bet against Tom Brady. I mean, Tom Brady has gone out like and and I get it. You know. It wasn't he, you know, didn't take out Drew Brees at his best, but he definitely took out Aaron Rodgers twice this season, once in the playoffs. Who Aaron Rodgers had an amazing season. Now I know the defense obviously, you know, is on the field, not Brady for those, you know, when Aaron Rodgers is on the field, but like, you know, Brady has had to go toe to toe with Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers in this postseason already. And while they're neither of them are as good as Mahomes is right now, they're still not nothing. Like this Tampa Bay defense has been able to handle these big name quarterbacks. So I, I think it'll be, um, I think it'll be a fun matchup. But I also like I, it's it's tough for me to predict because of the fact that both these quarterbacks are just quarterbacks you don't bet against. Right. Yeah. It is going to be a tough one. Um, ultimately, I, I just feel like, I mean, who? Yeah, it's it's going to be a tough one. I, I I'm not 100. I I don't think I have a pick totally in mind yet. Yeah. To be honest. Um, I kind of feel, I mean, wow. I mean, right now, if I have to lean towards anybody, I'm, I'm leaning towards the Chiefs mostly because they're the reigning Super Bowl champs and their they, their defense plays at a better, at, plays at a really high level. But man, Tampa Bay is playing really well right now. And it, But it all depends. Which Tom Brady are we going to see? Are we going to see the Tom Brady that has struggled like he did against the Saints? I mean, well, he didn't really struggle against the Saints. I mean, the which Tom Brady are we going to see? The thing is, is like if this Tampa Bay defense comes out strong, because remember the Chiefs played a good defense last year in the 49ers, uh, and it was in they got back into that game, were able to succeed in that game 
obviously because they're a great team, but also the play calling of Kyle Shanahan didn't do the 49ers any favors either. And you have kind of a more seasoned coach in Bruce Arians uh, who kind of doesn't have that stigma of, Hey, we're up by, <laughs> we're up by however many in the Super Bowl. Let's, let's uh, take it easy for the rest of this game. And, and it ultimately doesn't pan, pan out. So, uh, you know, that I think the, the defense of Tampa Bay, and especially the red zone defense for Tampa Bay, if they can, you know, do what they did to Rodgers and make the Chiefs come away with field goals instead of touchdowns, it's going to be a lot closer than I think a lot of people think. Right. Yeah. Um, that's the key. Uh, one, limiting the amount of – one is limiting the amount of touches that Mahomes is going to have. And two, really stopping them in the red zone. Right. And that's, that's tough. It's not easy because Mahomes can just create so much on his end. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun to uh, talk about. We'll talk about it more in depth. So this is our time to let you guys know that next week, the podcast will be airing live on Twitch on Thursday uh, and will be coming out uh, you know, either Thursday night, Thursday night or Friday, like Thursday evening or uh, Friday. Uh, I think I haven't fully decided on that, but it will um, be uh, coming out. Uh, let's go ahead and do next Friday uh, during the day. Well, next you week. know, executive yeah. decisions. Decisions are made right here. Yes. So let's just go ahead. We'll, we'll air it. Thir- we'll air it Thursday afternoon uh, or Thursday evening uh, at the uh, normal stream time, uh, and then we'll uh, uh, put it out, you know, into the ether uh, the following day. But that's the plan as of right now. And what we'll be doing is it'll be a little bit different than what you guys are used to. We're going to be bringing in three new people: uh, Chris Simmons, Michael Robinson, uh, Todd A. Uh, we're bringing all those guys in. Uh, because they will be doing their own podcast for 3C Media. We'll be coming out with all the information on that uh, next week as well. So they'll be joining us on our Super Bowl preview. So like I said, uh, we will be we will be um, the podcast will air live on Thursday. It will come out on Friday. Um, so make sure you're locked in to the social media accounts uh, at Crash Course FM on Twitter, uh, Crash Course Podcast on Facebook, and uh, the newer show is going to be a YouTube exclusive. Crash Course Podcast, so make sure you go over there and subscribe. Um, and then, of course, if you're listening to this on any of the podcast apps, remember we do stream live uh, every week, twitch.tv slash 3C Media, and you can hear the Crash Course Podcast uh, You know, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts can be heard, you can hear the Crash Course Podcast. So uh, we're going to go ahead and get a quick word from the friends of the show and talk about the Colts and their quarterback decisions. Are you tired of your same old lunch hour of sitting and scrolling through your apps on your smartphone? Have you thought about playing a board game with your coworkers? Eat Lunch and Board Game is a podcast dedicated to telling you about board games that are great for lunchtime fun and some that are probably better saved for after work hours. I've been playing games at my office for over four years now where I have made new friends and business connections that have been very useful. Board games build bridges. All right, so uh, one of the big news, uh, one of the big uh, news items of the week last week was, of course, Philip Rivers um, deciding to retire um, after 19 seasons in the NFL. Um, you know, Philip Rivers had a great season for the Colts. It's funny because you know it was um, it was last year that we were talking about like not really being super in love with the decision. We weren't like super on board. And then he ends up having a pretty solid year. He uh, completes 68% of his passes, which on his career 
He only completes about 65. So he was completing more passes uh, than he typically does. Um, he uh, threw for 4,169 uh, yards, which was good enough for 10th in the NFL. 24 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Um, it's his th- Like I said, it's his third highest completion percentage of his career. Uh, led the team to 11-5 and in a playoff berth. Um, and was 19th on the season in QBR. I mean, I know that that's not super like noteworthy that he, that's what he was in QBR, but considering that he was 24th and Jacoby Brissett was 21st the season prior, that's why kind of a lot of people, including myself, were not super on board with it because we were like, okay, so we're literally going with a quarterback that was worse than Jacoby Brissett last year. Um, and Philip Rivers comes out, has an amazing season. Um, and you know what? It, it's, it's funny how that stuff kind of works out because – you know, like I said, I wasn't super on board. I, I was like, you know what? I think the team is good enough around him to succeed, but I, I don't really think that he was the right decision to go with if we're going for a bridge quarterback. Um, and then it turns out that, you know, and, and it was kind of talked about, I thought, at least in that early stage of him coming over, that it was that he wanted to play for several more years. Um, and then, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, it's surprising. Yeah. So I thought, you know, hey, he's going to be around for a couple of years. And, you know, obviously after the season this year, we're like, okay, I can get on board with Philip Rivers. And then he's like, nah, I'm just going to go ahead and hang it up. Um, so Philip Rivers um, decides to hang it up uh, after a, you know, a good final year with the Colts. Yeah, you know, I'm really actually kind of surprised. Um, one, I'm really surprised that he hung it up. After having a really successful season, um, I was a little surprised, you know, but, you know, he did have that foot injury at his age. It does take a little bit longer to heal. And I think that t- had some factor into it as well. Um, ultimately, though, I think he went, he went out on a high note. Yeah, it wasn't a Super Bowl or anything like that, but he went out on a really high note. I think he, he performed well, and he's like, you know what? Let's not play with house money anymore. You know, let's not let's, – let's just hang it up while we're ahead. And – I respect that decision hundred percent. I think looking back, the reason we were not all on board with the um, Philip Rivers signing was because we knew who else was out there and who else was interested in coming and playing for the Colts. So you look at that and that does skew your opinion on what the Philip Rivers signing was. I think ultimately the Philip Rivers signing ended up being above and beyond what we all expected. He wasn't just a game manager. I mean, he did. He went out and he won games for the Colts. I think had the Colts had a more reliable receiving core, they would have been even better. I think that's still their biggest weakness on the offense now. I mean, obviously quarterback is right now. But, um, yeah, I I was pleasantly surprised and happy with the Phillip Rivers experiment. I don't even call it an experiment. It was – it worked. You know, it, it got the Colts. Look, the Colts were not going to be Super Bowl contenders this year. They just weren't. You don't you don't go from not making the playoffs for back to back years to being in the winning the Super Bowl. You just you just don't. Very rarely does it happen. I mean, you can even make you can make a run. But look, uh, yeah, San Francisco did it. But this is the AFC. It's still you still got to go through Kansas City. And it was going to be a tough task. So. I was was happy. And, you know, I think it was overall, it was a success. Oh yeah. That's, that's the next question we have on the, on the outline here is, you know, it was the experiment, a success. And yeah, I mean, 
absolutely was. I mean, the Colts were eight and eight with Jacoby Brissett, who is 21st in QBR. Like we were saying, you know, Rivers was behind him in 24th, but the big, you know, the big selling point was Reich's familiarity with Rivers, and that ended up paying off. I mean, they, you know, they they knew what each other uh, were capable of. Uh, Rivers, it wasn't just Frank Reich's uh, familiarity; it was Nick Sir, uh, Sirianni right. too, Coach Sirianni. Yeah. So you know they. Uh, you know, it, it ended up being a good call. Colts have a great, you know, a great season uh, about what we were, you know, hoping for. And, uh, you know, Rivers has a great season too. So, uh, you know, yeah, I, th- I think overall it was a very successful uh, decision, you know, looking back. Yeah, um, it was definitely a, a successful season. Um, like I said, he had a career year. Um, and ultimately, I mean, he got the Colts back into contention. Yeah. He got people talking about the Colts and uh, out of all things, it showed what can be capable, what the Colts are capable of when they have a solid quarterback. And I think this is going to help the Colts uh, attract team, uh, attract quarterbacks to their team uh, that, you know, maybe either wanting a trade or, you know, are in free agency because look, the Colts only have one quarterback on roster after this year, and he's nowhere near ready. Um, at least that we know of. <laughs> Who knows? I don't. I don't know. I mean, so I mean, hey, the promotion of um, the quarterbacks coach to um, Marcus Brady from quarterback coach to offensive coordinator may help because Marcus Brady was the one that did a lot of one-on-one film sessions and practice sessions with Jacob Eason. So he may be ready, but we just don't know it. Yeah. And before we get into that, who we think the Colts uh, are going to roll with as quarterback uh, going into 2021. uh, Last question here on the Phillip rivers is, is Phillip rivers a hall of famer? And initially, initially my thought process was like, he might be like a, like on the borderline. Like I could see him. I wouldn't be shocked if he wasn't, but you know, I also wouldn't be shocked if he was, but looking at the numbers, I mean, fifth on all, fifth all time in passing yards with over sixty three thousand. He had eight straight years of four thousand plus uh, yards to end his career. So it's not like you know those were at the beginning of his career where he had eight straight seasons. It was at the end, uh, fifth all time in passing touchdowns with four twenty one, and then he was twelfth in, in all time passer rating with ninety five point two. Peyton Manning's you know uh, just you know one point three you know points ahead of him, uh, and he's eleven. So I mean, you know. I know that may not be the greatest argument, but you look at it and it's like, hey, Peyton, you know, Peyton Manning and Phil Rivers have two stats that are pretty similar that indicate how good they are as passers. And one, you have no question getting in as a first ballot Hall of Famer, and the other one, you know, you're kind of having on the on the borderline. But I think he is. Uh, you know, looking back now, I mean, you know, look, I mean, he wouldn't be if it was the NBA because they only care about championships. But I mean, yeah, you're looking back. You know, he's or Major League Baseball because they just don't want to put anybody else in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I think I think he is a Hall of Famer. Like, because it's one of those thoughts where, like, you know, there's a lot of good players and there's players that are good that, you know, you think, oh, well, there's no way he, they won't make the Hall of Fame. And then you kind of look back and you're like, oh, I mean, you kind of have to draw the line somewhere. But with Rivers, I mean, looking at all the numbers and who else are, he's up there with and, and the fact that all those guys he's up there with on those lists, like, are – you know, no brainer. You put him in the hall of fame. I think he deserves to be in there. Yeah, I agree. I think he is a hall of famer. I mean, if you look at Dan Marino, he's a hall of famer, right? And he never won a championship. 
I, I feel like Philip Rivers is this era's Dan Marino because, you know, he had great numbers. He put up, he played, he was a solid quarterback. He just was never able to hoist the Lombardi trophy. And, you know, I, I love how the NFL does not um, solely focus on the number of championships to be a Hall of Famer. So, yeah, I agree. I think he's a Hall of Famer for sure. He's had a Hall of Fame career. I mean, where is he ranked? I mean, you, fifth all-time in passing yards, fifth all-time in touchdown passes, 12th in passer rating. I mean, he's just right behind Peyton Manning by what is that? One point I'm not good at math. Like 1.3? Yeah. That's Yeah, he's right there. Yeah, I agree. Um, but unfortunately, he has gone from Indianapolis, and so the hey, Colts. Oh, do you know what he's doing? You know what he just did? He, isn't he going to go coach like a youth? He, football? Do, he got introduced as a high school football coach down in Alabama. So he's there you go. Coach, I don't remember the name of the school, but it was a there was a press conference like literally two days after he retired, announcing him as the next head coach of that high school football program. And heck, I mean, I don't know if if that's where he wants to stay, but Hey, a couple of years from now, maybe we'll be hearing about Philip Rivers, that, like that head coach, not of the Colts, but like of somebody coach. I mean, most quarter, a lot of quarterbacks I can see becoming good coaches because they have to run a team essentially. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Um, but that begs the question, who is going to be the Colts quarterback uh, in 2021? And so we have hot or cold Colts quarterback edition. So instead of saying, you know, Hey, this person's hot, cold, whatever, uh, I'm going to list off the quarterback options uh, one by one, and we're going to give them a rating. Uh, we've got six options, so it's either going to be scorching, hot, lukewarm, chilled, cold, uh, and freezing. Uh, so these are the Colts rumors according to Fansided. Now, there was one that I left off from Fansided because it was Jalen Hurts, and I was like, there's no way that Jalen Hurts is going to be out of Philly. Well, um, it is It is a good – it is something to look at because right. Philly does have an issue on their hand. They have two starting caliber quarterbacks, one's young and wants to play. Well, but at the same time, I mean, okay. I, at the same time with Jalen Hurts, like, I mean, yes, he, he had a good, you know, couple of games uh, when he came in. But at the same time – at the same time, I mean, you know – I, I can. It's gonna. I, I just don't see them punting on either uh, uh, either Hertz or Wentz. Uh, you know, this early. I think. I think, especially with the preseason coming up. You know, an actual. Well, we think. Uh, you know, what may be a season where we actually have a preseason. They may wait until then to kind of make that decision. It'll kind of suck for whoever loses that they because get rid of the preseason altogether. True. Not COVID or not. I think they <laughs> they may decide. Also true. That, you know, everybody enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, so the uh, first, I kind of lumped the two in-house options together. Um, <clears throat> but as far as in-house goes, um, we uh, will start, you know, I'm going with uh, Chilled on that one. Um, and that is because uh, the, the options right now, Jacoby Brissett, which didn't his contract just end? So he, yeah. cause he's, not on, yeah, he's not on contract for next year, technically. But what's um, funny is that everybody is like, maybe Jacoby Brissett should be the answer. Like, are you serious? So he here's had his opportunities, and that's and that's kind of where I'm coming from because, like, I don't think he gets enough credit for what he has been asked to do for the Colts organization because he didn't. He, both times he was the starter, he didn't know until two weeks before the season. So 
you know, I mean, I, I understand that, you know, you're as a quarterback, you're, you know, backup quarterback, especially you're supposed to be ready at all times, whatever. But I mean, he was asked to, you know, Andrew Luck shocked everybody and retired two weeks before okay, the season. Yeah, okay, and, and also he, like he was on the Patriots two weeks before he's had to step up in 2000. And I think that was 2017, 2000. Yeah. 2017. So, I mean, both times he was the starter, he didn't know he was even going to be starting two weeks prior to the season starting. And especially two years ago, he was at, like, the Colts were favorites to possibly do something in the AFC. And instead, you know, Andrew Luck retires and Jacoby Brissett has to kind of step in and and be what uh, Andrew Luck was supposed to be, which nobody was expecting him to do. So uh, as a starter, he went 11-19 and with 6,040 yards. Um, he 31 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Uh, the Colts defense was worse in 2019. There was no Jonathan Taylor. Um, and, uh, there is a good chance that they get Mac back on a prove it deal. But the thing is, is that Jacoby, you know, kind of what you said, we kind of been there, done that with Jacoby Brissett. Um, but also I like the only way I can see Brissett being back is from a standpoint of, you know, you want him to kind of lead into Jacob Eason because I don't think Eason uh, should start right away. Groom Eason either. Right. So that's the only reason you bring him back is to possibly do that, which, like you said, you don't really think you can do. But also, this team is a piece or two away uh, from at least being in contention of being at the top of the AFC. I don't. I don't want to go as so far as to say they're going to be competing with the Chiefs at the top of the AFC with one or two more moves, but this is a team that could potentially be, uh, you know, a Super Bowl caliber team um, or a team that has a, a shot to go to the Super Bowl. Um, and I don't think you do the whole starting one quarterback and then moving on to another one halfway through the season. Like, I don't think a team that's should be at the top of the AFC is going to make that decision to do that. So oh, God, that's, no. that's why I think that it's, it's not going to be Brissett. And then you also had have Jacob Easton, the other in-house option. And remember, he has not taken an NFL snap, whether it be regular season or preseason, because of no preseason this year. And not only no preseason this year, but, you know, no OTAs, no nothing. So, and if you would have, like last year, if they would have not signed Rivers, drafted Easton, and said Easton's going to be the starter, you wouldn't have wanted to see that because you knew he had to be groomed. You knew he had to be molded into something. And so – you know, had Rivers been here one more season, I could see a transition from Rivers to Eason. But without Rivers coming back and having a team that you believe should be towards the top of the AFC, I don't think you go with either Brissett or Eason just because they're both big question marks. You know, you have one that we've kind of been there, done there with, that with, and then you've got another one that, you know, was well, there's scouting report and Eason was he's raw and needs to be molded. And I don't think that happened with him literally not doing anything for the team all last season and not even taking a snap in the preseason because there wasn't one. Right. Yeah, I agree. It, the option is not Eason. Um, he's not ready. Um, I know it, I guess where the only thing, the only reason Eason may come into play potentially is because um, of the retirement of Anthony Costanzo as well. If you look at what's going to be out there in free agency, it's it's not much. It's not really all that appealing. And it's a little concerning as well that 
I don't know. You, if you don't want to have to give up any trade option or first round picks, cause you need to use a first round pick on a um, left tackle, then, you know, you got to look at free agency or Jacob Eason, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But I, I just don't see them hand if they, with the defense they have right now, the offensive line, we don't know because uh, obviously Anthony Costanzo and the run game that you have and what you're building upon. I don't think you risk putting in Jacob Eason at this point, but you know, I may be wrong. I may be totally wrong on that. Um, it is, it's an interesting dynamic here looking at what the Colts needs are going into the off season because of the void at left tackle and what that means and how unlikely it is you're going to find somebody in free agency that's going to fill that void as a starting left tackle. But I don't think uh, if I have to look at the in, in-house options right now, including Brissett, I, I'm, I'm cold on it. I'm cold on it for sure. Yeah. So, uh, so you talk about, you know, doing something via trade. That's kind of uh, what these next uh, few options are. Um, you know, most of the other options on this list are, are trades that the Colts have to go out. And potentially not necessarily, not necessarily. There is one on this list that right. is technically a free agent, right? Because but, he was under a franchise tag last year, right? So, first on the list, as far as trades are concerned, is Carson Wentz. For me, that's cold. Um, and that's because of you know, Wentz came into the league in uh, 2016, he's been he's played for five seasons. In those five seasons, he has started all 16 games just twice, and in those 16 or in those, um, in those two seasons, he's gone 16 and 16. Um, you know, you do have uh, former Colts offensive coordinator, uh, current Eagles head coach, uh, Nick Sirianni, who has already reached out to Wentz. Um, there has been no trade request. Um, and Wentz is on the books through 2024, but he, uh, there is an out after 2022. Um, and the, the, pro- the, thing, the thing for me with this is that there are too many hurdles that I think are in the way for this to happen. Because for one, had Jacoby Brissett still been under contract, and I don't know how feasible, how realistic it is to expect like some sort of sign and trade. I know you see that a lot in like in, in the NBA, but I don't know how that necessarily works in the NFL because you don't see it very often, um, if at all. So, right. um, you know, without Jacoby Brissett, a lot of these trades they could potentially make kind of, make it very hard for them to do a whole lot other than give up some players you might not want to give up um, because uh, you know, for one, you know, you're going to, regardless with the quarter with going out and getting a quarterback, you're going to have to trade your first round pick. There, there's no, there's really no way around that. Um, and <clears throat> the thing is, um, you know, the thing is too, is that, you know, like I said, I don't, you know, the most of the Eagles, what they need are defensive needs. I don't see the Colts really tweaking a whole lot with their defense and just the tra- the draft capital they would have to give up as well as the cap list that there are with Carson Wentz. I just, I just think that's too much risk and not enough potential reward because Wentz had that really great season the year that the Eagles went to the Super Bowl, but he also got hurt. It wasn't him that won with that team, which, I mean, not his fault. I'm not saying he couldn't have still won with the Eagles that season, but you just never know. So I, I just – there are, are so many question marks and it's not, and it looks like at least from this early, this early stage in the process that 
at least the Eagles and Wentz are trying to mend that bridge. Um, and so it doesn't look like it's, it, you know, it, if you were to rank the three volatile trade situations right now with quarterbacks, you know, between Watson, Wentz, and Stafford, it would be kind of in that middle grade because Wentz wants to be the starter. He was chosen as a franchise guy, um, but he's also not out here saying, yes, I'm going to be traded. I want to go somewhere else. It looks like that bridge is starting to get a little bit more mended and having having a guy like Sirianni in the building who hasn't coached Wentz, but has been around other people who have and kind of other people. Cause I, I would imagine that Frank Reich had him in the room, had him as his offensive coordinator, their ideologies are probably similar. So you're going to be working with a, you know, someone who's familiar with your play style, familiar, you know, somebody that runs a similar type of style that you're used to. I just think there's, there's too many hurdles and too much risk for the Colts and Carson Wentz to work out. Great. And I, I totally agree. I don't think Carson Wentz is the answer. I think people, the, the dots were connected too easily there when Wentz was unhappy in Philadelphia. And he was mostly unhappy with Doug Peterson. Let's just be honest. He wasn't happy. He wasn't unhappy with the Eagles organization. He was unhappy with the head coach. Yeah. And now that's changed. Nick Sirianni is a quarterback's coach. And he brought in as his offensive coordinator, I think he was the offensive coordinator in, uh, for the Chargers, who helped groom um, Jake or Justin Herbert this past off this past season. And we all saw how good of a, uh, a season he had. So I think you're starting to see your Carson Wentz is happy now. Carson Wentz doesn't want out. He knows he's their quarterback. So I don't think there's any chance whatsoever. The Colts trade anything to Philadelphia for Carson Wentz because Carson Wentz wants to stay in Philadelphia now. So you can take that one completely off the list and out of people's minds. And I think we're starting to see that too. Yeah, I think so too. So are you giving it a rating? <clears throat> I'm giving it freezing. Okay. Well, and we'll go from your freezing take to my freezing take. And that is Dak Prescott, which is kind of the one free agent that's been circling around. And this is another situation where there's just too many hurdles uh, in, as far as what you have to go through to get him. Uh, because this season, for one, this season proved how lost Dallas is without Dak Prescott. I mean, this team had a lot of aspirations, wasn't playing necessarily up to what, you know, we thought they could play, um, you know, before they locked that, lost Dak. But once they lost Dak, the quarterback position, I mean, take it from somebody who had both Zeke and Amari Cooper in his fantasy leagues, uh, the drop-off from Dak Prescott to Andy Dalton, uh, Ben DiNucci, some of the guys they had starting – um, was just astronomical. So, you back, people are actually putting Andy Dalton in the conversation for the Colts. No, I uh, yeah, that's well, the two guys that like I don't want to see a hundred percent, like, uh, will not even give, I mean, we'll only give it a little bit of chance because of Ballard and Reich are Andy Dalton and Sam Donald. I don't want to see either of those, either of those or options. Yeah, yeah, well, Jameis Winston, I think, is pretty locked in as the Saints option for who I they're gonna. Know. I don't know. I mean, who knows? But, but yeah, so the leverage for Dak has never been higher as far as getting a contract. Um, and the Cowboys can still franchise tag Prescott for the 2021 season. And while that would not be a great idea for the Cowboys in terms of keeping them beyond, keeping him beyond 2021, uh, that's not really the Colts' concern because he, they need a quarterback this season. Um, the current projection for Prescott is four years, $146 million. I think it also would be hard to believe the Colts would invest this much uh, in a quarterback that has no relationship with the Colts. 
whatsoever. Um, Dak uh, also has had Zeke and Amari Cooper, who are better weapons than what the Colts had. So there's, again, more question marks of, you know, he's never been, you know, is he the right fit? You know, will he, how well will he fit into Frank Reich and, you know, and, and the, the like system? How will he mesh with everybody? How will he play without Zeke, without Amari Cooper, without some of the talent, talented guys they have on that roster over there in Dallas? So not, I mean, obviously if the Colts got Dak Prescott, I would be elated, but there's just too many obstacles for the Colts to go out and get him. You know what? I'm the complete opposite when I look at uh, Dak Prescott. I think he is more of a hot take, mm. to be honest, because he's a free agent. You, you The weapons you just named, Zeke is getting, you know, running backs don't have a long career life anymore. And we're starting to see Zeke kind of fade. Their offensive line is atrocious now. Their defense, suspect. There's more holes on that team than just quarterback, if you think about it. And if I'm Dak Prescott and I see, I look at the injury, I just said, yeah, it's a fluke type injury, but it was still a serious injury nonetheless. It was caused on a sack. If I'm coming back from an injury, I want to be playing behind a solid offensive line. I want to have a run game where I know it's going to show up. I mean, think about it. Zeke, even with Dak Prescott, Zeke wasn't the most reliable here as of late. He's really kind of trended downwards, whereas the Colts now have, they still have Naheem Hines, and they have probably one of the hottest young backs in the NFL right now in Jonathan Taylor. You know, they have a young, big receiver like an Amari Cooper, talented as Amari Cooper, that's yet to be seen, and Michael Pittman. They know they need to build upon their wide receiving core and figure out their tight ends have an amazing, one of the best defenses in the NFL. Why, if I'm a free agent as Dak Prescott, they, the Colts have the cap space to sign me to a long-term deal, which I have not gotten here as of late from Dallas. I haven't gotten a, a sign of faith from Dallas. Now, am I going to command as big of a contract as I potentially could have prior to the injury? No, but it's still going to be a big contract. Uh, nonetheless, it's still going to be north of $100 million probably for four years, but is it going to be like the highest paid quarterback in NFL history at this point? No, because you know, you're still coming off of a serious injury. I believe Dak Prescott, honestly is for the Colts need to at least give him a call, okay. you know, and because he can, he can turn down the front. I think he can, you can turn down a franchise tag. If you've been franchise tag over and over and over again, I believe you don't have to sign it. I, I thought I was under the impression that you had to because isn't that what happened with uh, Le'Veon Bell? Did he get franchised yeah. so much that he that's why he held out? Yeah, that's true. And I don't see Dak Prescott holding out, but at the same time, I don't see Jerry Jones just tagging him again because Dak starts getting expensive, and Jerry Jones knows that they have other needs that they have to fill. Well, and that's so it just kind of de- it, it depends on what the Cowboys want to do because they could franchise him again, but at that point the bridge would at that point be burned between Prescott and the organization, and so you have to decide: okay, is one year of Prescott worth the damage that us not signing him to a long-term deal would be? Um, and so then it's up to them to kind of figure out: okay. Because right now they have Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy is as at their head coach. He's not a 
at this point in his career, especially as a head coach, he is not a rebuild type head coach. He's going to go to your team because you expect that team to be in contention to go to the Super Bowl. That's why you have Mike McCarthy. So you have to kind of make that decision because I can see the Cowboys a Super Bowl coach anymore. But no, but I think I, he's a Super Bowl coach. I think that right. hire was a complete disaster of a hire. But you're him. not bringing him in to like it's 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 not like you're bringing him in to rebuild your team. You're bringing him in because you have the expectation that he's going to be a difference maker. He's going to be better than Jason Garrett. He's going to get you to the top of the NFC. I'm not saying it was the right hire. I'm just saying that's why they went out and got. Um, That's why if I'm, if I'm Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys do not tag me, I'm looking long and hard at the Colts because of how solid the coaching staff is, especially with quarterbacks, um, how the offensive line is one of the best. I mean, yeah, there's still that question mark at left tackle, but still beyond that, you, you're playing behind an all pro guard who's probably one of the best, if not the best guard, one of the best guards in the entire NFL. You're, you're playing along side now a running game that can just absolutely take over a game as it gets more experienced uh some reliable wide receivers more than just one wide receiver i mean the colts are probably going to bring back ty you know and you got michael pittman you know they know they need to sign more and then you have that defense that defense is a huge attractor to quarterbacks because they make your life easier because you don't have to go out there and score every single time. Whereas the Dallas Cowboys defense, they had trouble stopping a blind kid with one leg. Right. And it, that's a huge difference. So if the Cowboys do not tag him and are looking to sign him to a long-term deal, if I'm Prescott, I am looking elsewhere. And the Colts are a very, very logical destination for him. And they have the, they give him a better opportunity to win now and make a Super Bowl now than the Cowboys do. The Cowboys have too many holes to one also put that much money into a quarterback. Yeah. But think also, about that. I mean, they have a lot of holes and they, they can't be paying. I mean, getting themselves into a cap situation like that. I mean, look, look at the new Orleans saints. They are like how much over the cap yeah. and they, and even without Drew Brees, they're still way over the cap and they are kind of hamstrung right now. on the fact that they can't, do too much they have to figure out how to get under the cap and if the cowboys start doing that which i can see jerry jones doing it's a recipe for disaster eventually yeah yeah it'll uh, i i just think that you know i could also see the the cowboys doing this i could see them also tagging prescott and then trading him and then getting a big haul of something from the draft and then after that blowing it up and being like all right we're trading away zeke because you could probably still get a pretty decent haul for Zeke. You definitely get a big haul for Cooper. So if they, if they want to just blow it up, I think the first thing to do is to Jerry Jones uh, won't blow it up. Jerry Jones is too big of an ego to blow it up. True. Very true. Um, but yeah, I just think it's a, a huge long shot. There's just too many hurdles there. Um, now, as far as the Sean Watson. Yeah, uh, this one. This one, there's too many hurdles to overcome. Okay, but here's the thing, though. I think it's a little, it's a little different. For one, unlike Carson Wentz, Deshaun Watson is all but out in Houston. Uh, the Colts uh, have more firepower for what Houston needs. Uh, they need talent along the defensive line, which I know that you know the Colts. One of their needs, I feel like every year is is some is defensive line help. It's not the biggest need this year. Um, and one of the names that I landed upon, uh, which is kind of a young guy. Look, going into these next few scenarios, like you're gonna you're gonna have to give something up. Like like as much 
and you know, and I know that <clears throat> that's not what Balor. Like that's the better one. Right, but give up money. True, true, and but I just I just don't see Jerry Jones letting him out of the building. Um, you know whether that means just you know, or unless it's hey, we're gonna tag you and then we're gonna trade you somewhere. Um, <clears throat> and so, you know, I, I landed on Ben Benagu, who's young defensive lineman. You can put him alongside JJ Watt as kind of a mentor. There is there is rumor that he's on his way out. Yeah, you can you can re-sign Justin Houston. So I mean, you know, I'd rather do that. Yeah. So. There's that option. The, the Texans also need a tight end. I say you trade Jack Doyle as much as it pains me because he's an Indiana guy. He's the only, he's the only tight end left on contract. But on you, can, you can you can set, sign Moali Cox and uh, Trey Burton. I would much rather have Trey Burton and Moali Cox than Jack Doyle the way they played the last few years. Um, sure. But uh, so, yeah, so you can make those two trades. And then, yes, the draft capital you'd have to give up is big. Um, you know, my possible trade option would be Ben Benagu, Jack Doyle, this year's first round pick, this, year, this year's fourth round pick, and uh, a second round pick next year. Um, so that's a lot of draft capital to give up, but you also get a young quarterback who's, you know, yes, he had he's had a couple injuries here and there, but he's you know knows the division well. He's he's a he's a difference maker. He's as good, if not a little bit better than Prescott, in my opinion. Um, and so. You know, you have to give up a lot, but I mean, you're getting you're getting a top of the line franchise quarterback. Um, and but the only problem is, is Watson reportedly, reportedly wants to go to Miami or the New York Jets. So um, that's kind of the Jets are out of that one. He doesn't want to go to the Jets anymore. Which I mean, good on him for waking up on that one. Uh, but uh, but yeah, Miami I think might be the front runner. Which hey, that means the Colts are going to go get my uh, <laughs> go get Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? Uh, but no, that's it's a hot take for me as far as Deshaun Watson um, because I think yes, there's a lot of draft capital you'd have to give up, but I think the Colts have some other pieces to kind of lighten that load a little bit of what they'd have to give up, um, and so I think that that gives them a pretty decent shot at Deshaun Watson. You know, I like the trade you put out there. I do. I just have a feeling it's going to take more for the the Texans to trade. Watson within the division. Well, think about this though. It's the, well, yes, into the division is tough, but this is like we've seen with like we've seen. Heck, this is the Paul George situation. This is he doesn't want to be there. You either like you get what you can get for him because, and plus he has a no trade clause. Can't he just like once you wave it? Can't he just choose where he wants to go? Or like it, like can, if he waves his I no trade, can choose who you wave it for. Right, exactly. So he can literally say, "I want to go here." Uh, I'm only but going how, to go. How do we know he wants to come to Indianapolis? I don't know. I'm just saying that, like, if the Colts, the Colts could put that kind of a trade out there, and and if, if that's better than what other teams are willing to offer up, I mean, I mean, the the one thing that Miami has going for is I've seen a lot of you know Tua for for Watson, which obviously the Colts don't have a quarterback to send them that's the caliber of Tua. Um, right. So. That's the only kind of so it's most likely going to end up being Watson to Miami. I would just, I would imagine if the teams that have been kind of floated out there. But I'm just saying the Colts have the capital. Uh, I can't see the Colts being. I can't see Miami doing it either because did Miami? Oh no, they didn't have to trade up for Tua. No, That's right, he fell to them. No, so yeah, they were supposed to tank for Tua and then they won too many games. Kind of like <laughs> they couldn't even tank for Tua. 
kind of what the uh, Jets did with uh, Trevor Lawrence. They they yeah. were tanking for Trevor Lawrence, and then they ended up winning two games out of the last like however many. And now he's going to be a Jaguar. <laughs> right. So yeah, this Deshaun Watson deal. You know, I'm lukewarm on it. I think it is a possibility. I just don't think it's as big of a possibility. I think it's more of a possibility than trading for like Carson Wentz or any somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know how much Ballard loves his draft capital. And it's going to take a lot of draft capital for, for Watson, especially because the price will be higher for Indianapolis than it would be for Miami True. or for the Jets, which I don't see the Jets doing that either when they have an opportunity, when they already have Sam Darnold and they have an opportunity to take any other quarterback outside of Trevor Lawrence if they want. But I mean, I'm, I'm beating a, a dead horse at this point. Yeah. You look at what the Colts have and when you look at these other teams, like the Jets or Miami, the Colts have more to offer Deshaun Watson. They have more to offer any of these quarterbacks. Let's just be honest. The Colts truly are probably a quarterback away, you know, a little help in the secondary and at wide receiver, but a quarter, a true legit quarterback away from making a run to the Super Bowl. You know, um, but I, I have a tough time seeing the Deshaun Watson one happening just because division rival to division rival is very rare. I mean, heck, anything can happen. We just saw today that the New York Yankees make a trade with the Boston Red Sox. Yeah. So, I mean, hey, anything can happen. Um, but again, I mean, if Deshaun Watson really is spiteful and he's like, I'm not going to waive it. Yeah, I, I can only waive it for certain teams. If the Colts come up with an offer uh, that's halfway decent and Deshaun says, you know what? I want to stick it to Houston and I want to beat them every year twice every year i want to beat them two two times out of the year we're going to sweep houston every chance we get uh you know i can see that happening too coming from a from a different angle like that i mean because at the end of the day deshaun watson can not a hundred percent but can in a way choose where he wants to go right so but there's a lot of other teams like you know like the jets like the dolphins that have a quarterback to send them that will lessen the burden of what they're going to have to give up and the colts just don't have that um so next option on the list for uh, for the colts uh that's just that's been rumored out there is matthew stafford for me this is scorching and i'll tell you why b scott uh he's he started all 16 games in nine of 10 seasons since 2011 for some reason I thought he'd been hurt a lot more, but he's, I mean, he's, I guess he's just played through a lot more injuries. Yeah, he's played through a lot of injuries. Wait, so wait, he started. No, that's, that's, that's not right. Because I, there was no. last season, last season, David Blau started a couple I of said games. nine of the last 10 seasons. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> I need to clean out my ears. I read statement. <laughs> but no, yeah, since 2011, he started nine of 10 games. Cause yeah, last season he had a back injury. And so he was, he was on the shelf, but, um, and, and he's only 32, uh, so he could be the Colts starter for, I mean, they could kind of go wherever they want to go with that. He could be the starter for the next four seasons. You could see what he, you know, how he kind of is, you know, because he's only on the books uh, through 2023. So in a sense, he could be your starter for the next no, 2022, three. I believe. I thought I read somewhere 2022. Okay, I think 20, okay, then 2023 is the season that he's a free agent. So you're, you could have him for two more seasons, which is, you know, one to two more seasons, like you were thinking you're going to have with Philip Rivers, you, he gets an opportunity to mentor Eason if you really want to go that route, or if he has the potential to be 
your quarterback for the next for this window that you're going to be in Super Bowl contention. Um, so because uh, remember, Andrew Luck would have been 32 this year, which is the same age as Matthew Stafford. So you know you're you're kind of I mean not to say you have to go find out find a guy who's Andrew Luck's age or younger, but at the same time, you know if you want to make that comparison, you know that's what you would have been dealing with anyway. He's another franchise type guy now. The Lions do need a wide receiver. Uh, there are seven projected to go in the first round, five by pick 21, which is the Colts pick, um, which I think all obviously makes it you know a, a more tantalizing option to go get the 21st round pick um, or 21st overall pick. Uh, they also need defensive line help, which the Colts could spare a piece to acquire Stafford. Ben Benagu is another name I land on. Uh, and the draft capital needed to acquire Stafford will be less than what the Texans would want for uh, Watson in the sense that I think the Lions are moved. I, I think it's more the Lions moving off of Stafford than Stafford moving on from the Lions. I don't think right. it's, it's, it's not as if Stafford's upset and wants out, but I think the Lions are just like, Hey, we're bringing a new coach. We've run it back with Stafford so many times. Let's just see what we can get. So I could see possible trade option being, Ben Benagu, uh, your 2021 first-round pick and a 2022 second-round pick uh, to acquire uh, Matthew Stafford, especially because uh, the Lions could do more with the Colts' 21st-round pick. Um, you know, another first-rounder gives them ammunition to move up and take Devonta Smith if that's what they're looking to do because they they have the seventh they have the seventh overall pick right now. Um, I think Devonta has been picked to go like third or fourth. I think. So if you want to, you can be like, hey, we're, we'll, now we, that we have the Colts' first-round pick, we're going to package that in our seventh to move up and take Devonta Smith and add a wide receiver. Now, granted, you, don't, you then don't have a quarterback to throw to Devonta Smith, but you kind of have your own guy uh, that you bring in under the new head coaching staff there. And like I said, it's less of Stafford wanting out and more of the Lions wanting to move off him. So I think both of that scenario, the fact that they can do more with that 21st round pick than what maybe the Houston Texans would be willing to do, the fact that they can that, that they want to move on from Matthew Stafford, um, I think it makes an, an easier get for the Colts. And, I mean, Matthew Stafford has done a lot with not a whole lot around him. I mean, he's, you know, he's had, you know, he had Calvin Johnson for a good portion of his first half of his career. But, you know, since then, I mean, who's he had? Like Kenny Galladay. Um, you know, I, I can't really think of a lot of the options yet. Ebron for a while, uh, but he's not had a whole lot of talent around him. This time he would be going to a better team and have potentially more talent. So yes, it's more draft capital, but it's kind of, if, if you're going into this season if, and as Chris Ballard thinking, Hey, we have to give up draft picks. This is the better option than Watson. Yeah, I, <clears throat> yes, it is. I'm just not a hundred percent sold on, um, Stafford, I guess, you know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong in that time, in that thinking, but I don't know. I, I, it's just, I kind of feel like at least when they brought in Phillip Rivers, Phillip Rivers had a proven track record of being successful, you know, even in down years for the chargers, whereas Matthew Stafford just kind of seems to, Oh, I'm along. And that's about it. You know, I don't know. I, I don't feel like I would want to, like, why would the Colts be willing to give up a first round pick and a second round pick and a player for a guy that really hasn't done anything, even though there hasn't been anything around him. Theoretically, Dak Prescott, Carson Wentz, and Deshaun Watson also haven't done anything. 
they've at least made Pro Bowls. I mean, the Pro Bowl, as far as like how the players look at it, is all pro team, all pro. I mean, I don't. I mean, I'm I'm just not as sold on Matthew Stafford. Yeah, you know, I I've seen backup quarterbacks come in when he's not playing and perform better than he has. I just I don't know if he's I don't know. I'm just I'm not sold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's a it's warm, you know, because you know, it's one of those. It's the easy, it's the easy idea now. Just like Carson Wentz was a few weeks ago. Carson Wentz was the easy one to connect the dots to. Now it's Matthew Stafford. He's the easy one to connect the dots to. And guess whose name? I mean, we'll talk. I want to talk. I want to throw this name out here because he's not on your rundown. Yeah. The name that was just thrown out last night and even this and also this morning who's on contract a little bit longer who has a higher pedigree in my opinion than Matthew Stafford who also in my opinion could come in and groom Jacob Eason into being our future starting quarterback that's Aaron Rodgers I feel like Aaron Rodgers I know it's a pipe dream but Deshaun Watson's a pipe dream yeah, I think I think Aaron Rodgers is more likely than a Deshaun than Deshaun Watson to happen. You know, call me crazy, call me a homer, and even there's even somebody to put out there. I think it was Stephen Holder put it out there on Twitter. Oh, Indy Star, the Indy Star Facebook this. All they said was, "You Indianapolis Colts fans are out of your minds," and that's <laughs> it. They didn't put any article. They just tagged the Colts, and that was it. I mean, talk about a a great social media post to really get people going but um somebody must have hacked the indie star facebook account because <laughs> that just doesn't seem like them but um i mean it, it's just I'm, I'm not sold on stafford i i just don't see it i i could at least see the appeal in philip rivers yeah i i don't see it there with Mas- matthew stafford other than he's He's a younger quarterback, but at the same time, do we really want to, if, if we, I, I just, I don't know. I'm not, I, there's too many cons there for me in my mind. I know he's younger, but does he truly have, he, I mean, how much playoff experience does he have? Does he know I, how to, he's also been on the lions. I know that. I do know <laughs> that, but it's not like the Chargers were out of this world great. They, I mean, they were good and they made the playoffs a lot. They were Look, better than the Lions, but at the same time, the Chargers, Matthew, the Chargers put like Vincent Jackson and yeah, I know, Antonio I know, Gates. I know, I know. all these guys, guys around. At least Philip Rivers. Rivers, you know, he had the playoff experience. Matthew Stafford does not. Everybody's going to expect if Matthew Stafford gets traded to the Colts, everybody's going to expect him to be that missing link to get the Colts to the Super Bowl. Well, guess what? Matthew Stafford first first has to get to the playoffs and go through the playoffs. That's that's something that's new to him. Getting, I think he's been in the playoffs before. I do yeah, believe yes, he's, he's been in the playoffs. Three playoffs, but but getting through the playoffs that's a whole different animal, and he doesn't have that experience. At the age of 32, do you really want to bring in somebody at the age of 32 that has that has very, 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 very little playoff experience? And do you think they're magically just going to flip some switch and go, I'm, I have the experience. I know I'm not going to crack under this pressure. 
the most pressure he's had in his career is uh, trying to get his team to not go 0-16. So the last two seasons uh, that – or the last season prior to this one that uh, Stafford was healthy the entire season, Kenny Galladay led the uh, Lions in receiving with 1,000 yards, and the close second was Golden Tate with 517. So you had guys like Kenny Galladay, Golden Tate, Marvin Jones. Theo Riddick was fourth in receiving. For the Lions you know, two I'm years not, ago. I'm not sitting here saying that. Right, but, not, I, don't, I don't care about his numbers. I'm looking right. more at the if I'm gonna if I if I'm a, as the Colts, and I feel like I'm a quarterback, a good solid quarterback away from making a run at the Super Bowl. Why am I looking at somebody? I mean, he's a good, yes, he's a good quarterback. He you know, and he's been dealt a shitty hand. It's true. You know, the Lions are a dumpster fire of an organization. They can't figure it out year after year after year. But I still, if I'm going to spend that kind of draft capital on somebody, I want somebody that I know is going to be able to lead my team into the playoffs, through the playoffs, and make a run at the Super Bowl. I, I know Matthew Stafford hasn't had a team around him capable of doing that, but that also at the same time, that means he does not have the experience. But neither neither does Deshaun Watson, neither does Carson Wentz, neither does any of the options. I, I, I know that, but they are also younger. There's more time with them. I, I mean, I look at those guys. They are younger <laughs> than Stafford. I, I don't know. I just – I don't get the same, like, feel that if Stafford comes in, he's going to be the answer to everything over Deshaun Watson. You know, Deshaun. I mean, seriously, this this past. I don't know. I don't know if I'm making my point clear or not. I, I may just. I mean, I you like are. I'm just. I'm just. I'm just. I mean, I'm just arguing my counterpoint, which because you're, you're basically just, you're basically. I, I I don't get the same feeling about Matthew Stafford that everybody else does. I just I don't see it. Yeah. It, uh, I, I mean, if I'm going to spend that kind of draft capital, I want somebody that is younger. You know, and at least Deshaun Watson has made – he's gone through the playoffs. You know, he hasn't just gone in one game and been out. Yeah, true. You know, I know mean, there's that. And I mean, was it just like two years ago they were playing in the AFC championship game? Not the Texans. Oh, no, no, no. The they Texans were in the played, divisional they, round. They were in the divisional round and, yeah. Got they they were the up Chiefs. big yeah. against the Chiefs. Yeah. It was just last year. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean – you know, because I, I get what you're saying, but if you perceive your window to be you, okay, so here's the scenario though, too, is that you've got Easton. Easton's going to be at, at minimum your backup quarterback this year because Brissett's not coming back. I don't see really right. any side any reason to resign Jacoby Brissett. So it, you have you spent a fourth round draft pick on Jake, Jacob Easton. You got him obviously because you think he could be the option at quarterback because you don't need you know he can be a, a Philip Rivers in the sense of. He's, he's not going to put up amazing numbers, but he's going to be a good game manager with the rest of the team because Chris Ballard has made it clear. We don't, we, don't, Rivers, we don't need, we don't need, you know, a, you know, franchise amazing quarterback. We're going to get a quarterback that's solid and build, build the team around him to be good. So you, you can trade for Stafford. Yes, you're going to have to give up draft capital, but it's, I don't think it's going to be as catastrophic as really any of the other options. And then you also have, the fact that in two years you have the decision in two years to either move off of 
Matthew Stafford and go with Eason. You've got had two more seasons for Stafford to groom Eason. Eason at that point will most likely have had NFL snaps and you're going to know what you have with him. Um, and then you also could then, if you, if you don't think Eason is ready or you or Stafford's played well enough, you can potentially have him for even longer. Uh, so it, there's just, and like, yes, I, I like, yes, he hasn't played in any, you know, he's been to the playoffs. He's, he's made it as far, like with the exception of Watson making it, you know, around further, he's made it as far as Watson and, and Wentz have uh, as far as getting to the postseason. And I mean, they have, Detroit has had, I mean, except with the exception of the beginning of his career, we had Calvin Johnson and had, you know, solid running backs and had a good defense that was led by, you know, and Dominican Sue and, and uh, Ziggy Anza and all those guys, like, you know, he, he's not like in these past few years, he's not had great talent around him. The, he like the Colts will be an upgrade in talent. They'll be an yeah, upgrade in defense. Yeah. So yeah. And Jim Caldwell. So, I mean, I, I mean, I see, I see where you're coming from, but I'm just saying that like, this is where I'm coming from. Like as and far I, as what the Colts can possibly be with Stafford. And I, I, I see your point for me. It's just when I look at the eye test yeah. too many times, Matthew Stafford comes off the field looking lost. Like, wait, what just happened? How, how did that happen? Like, maybe he spent too much time around Jim Caldwell. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Um, so but, the, what about the Aaron Rodgers idea? So, okay, so Rodgers, I assume, is under contract, right? So you're still yeah, going to have – For three more years. For three more years. He's under contract longer, and he does cost more uh, cap-wise. He's going to cost more cap-wise, and I can't – I mean, so the thing that – the, the pro, but, the pro is the fact that the Packers have Jordan Love. And obviously yes. you don't take a quarterback in the first round because you don't think he's ready to take over. So – uh, that was the whole like thought process behind why Rogers was going on a revenge tour this year because they they were trying to replace them, um, and so like but like the draft capital to give up for Rogers I feel like is going to be steep. But what the Packers need help with is defense, and where they need the most help is in the secondary. If the Colts can guarantee that they're going to be able to bring back Xavier Rhodes and um, there's one other corner. Oh, uh, TJ Carey. If they can guarantee they can bring back both or at least one of those, they may be more willing than to throw in a Kenny Moore, which uh, that's that's scary, but throw in a Kenny Moore or even throw in a Rock Yassin, um, who may just need a change. He's not performing for the Colts, but he's one of those guys, he's young enough that, and he's under a rookie contract, so that's going to help the uh, Packers with some cap space there. And it's going to give them a young talent that may just need a, a change of scenery and a different approach. And, you know, you can throw him in there. You can throw Ben Benagu in there. Cause you know, he doesn't have a real, a real spot with the Colts anymore. So there's that, you can even look at um, Jack Doyle. If you wanted to, there's, there's a lot of options there for players that you can throw in Um yeah, you're going to have to give up some draft capital, probably two first rounders. But if you start throwing in some players, that alleviates, that offsets that a little bit there as well. But I just feel like if, one, if you are wanting somebody to groom Jacob Eason and get him prepared for the future, Aaron Rodgers is a great fit for that because of his age. Two, the Colts are in a win-now mode. Why not, if you're going to have to spend that much draft capital on some on a quarterback anyways – why not go after a quarterback with 
a Super Bowl pedigree, who is considered one of the best in the league, who is just coming off of an MVP caliber season. And that's, that's my two biggest arguments right there. Yeah. You know, the Colts, the Colts truly are in a win now mode. Yeah, they are. And they don't have time to see, is Matthew Stafford the right fit? Is it, is he, can he lead us to the Super Bowl? No, the Colts want to win now. And they believe that Jacob Eason is the future. So Aaron Rodgers is the best fit in my mind, because Aaron Rodgers can help you win now behind that offensive line. And with that defense, I mean, look what he did with, practically nothing at wide receiver yeah and he, at least the colts have more than that the colts have a run game um the packers had a run game too but not quite to the same extent as the colts um you get to play indoors for the rest of your career rather than having to <laughs> play true. outdoors in green bay that's your biggest you, selling point right there that's is. a huge <laughs> selling point you, and, you get to play in Jacksonville, Houston, indoors for another eight games, and then, you know, Tennessee is not that cold, so. Right, and you're, you're not going to be – it's not going to be – you're not going to be having to look over your shoulder at Jacob Eason if you have a bad game or a bad quarter, whereas you may have to do that with Jordan Love. Yeah. You know, fans are going to be like, hey, you spent a first-round pick. You traded back into the first round and get a – or I think they did. Well, at least you spent a first-round pick on Jordan Love, so uh, we want to see him, what he's got, you know, and – you have a bad game or two fans that are going to start clamoring for Jordan love. Whereas in Indy it's nobody knows what Jacob Eason is. And I think they're okay with that. And if you have a bad game, yeah, we'll talk about it, but we're not going to be calling for Jacob Eason by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, look, Philip Rivers struggled in a few games and it's not like we were banging down the door asking for Jacoby Brissett. We were, so well, I wanted to it's, see Brissett it's a situation. I feel like it's a great place, a great situation for him to end his to play out the rest of his career in mostly because of the offensive line, you know, you don't want to get beat up at that age and you don't want to have to play out in the cold forever. Yeah. Yeah. Indianapolis is is a, is a, I think is a a much better fit for Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is a much better fit for Indianapolis than Matthew, Matthew Stafford. The last kind of option for the Colts uh, is possibly the draft. Although that seems super unlikely because they just drafted a quarterback last year. Uh, but that doesn't mean they're out of their own possibility. There was on fan side that they had them getting Justin Fields, which I thought was really weird because that's not going to happen. No. Um, but, that must have been before Justin Fields went off against Clemson. No, I, I mean, I don't think so. I think this article was from a, a few a few days ago, honestly. But it was weird. I don't know. Anyway, um, they, uh, you know, they, their second round pick does put them in a good spot to take, you know, a Mac Jones or a Kyle Trask. If Trask were to fall, they could also trade up because we've seen the Colts do that a few times. Um, they wouldn't have to give up really any players or draft capital. Um, um, and, but I mean, that's just a, another big question mark. Uh, you know, as big of a question mark as if you're going to roll with Jacob Eason, you might as well, you know, spend that pick on another draft need and go with Eason if you're going to go ahead and, and draft. Cause I mean, it's not like Trask. I mean, Trask, Trask of the three is probably the most NFL ready of of those three options. Mac Jones, Jacob Eason. Well, Mac Jones Kyle. won't be around when the Colts pick. I have a feeling Mac Jones is going to the Patriots. Could so yeah. I mean, basically, there's a lot of uncertainty there anyway. Even if you are able to draft one of those guys, and at that point, you might as well address one of your other needs and roll with Eason if that's what you're going to do. So it's lukewarm for me, but uh, I just don't see the Colts, especially after drafting a quarterback last year. They're not going to just be like, oh, well, we'll draft. We're going to draft two quarterbacks uh, in back-to-back seasons, and we're just going to, in the preseason, have them fight it out for who's going to start with one. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm warm on the draft as well just because of 
the potential of a Kyle Trask in there. Um, mostly because I feel like the Colts are in need of their first round pick uh, to try to grab a left tackle. There's going to be a bevy of left tackles available for them to look at at the 21st pick. And ultimately, what would are you going to value more? Um, a solid offensive line to protect whoever you put under center or another quarterback? I don't know. It all depends, to be honest. I'm not sure. Uh, but I, I'm warm on the draft. I mean, heck, they still – they may trade for somebody and still come out with a quarterback from the draft. You only got one under under contract. Yeah. You may yeah, not that's be 100% true. sold on them, so – yeah, so I think I think what we come away with uh, is I think Stafford would be a good fit. And are, so are you going with as Rogers as your as I'm the guy? Rogers. I'm going okay. with Rogers. I feel like Jim Irsay is going to push some buttons, push it. Like guys, I want to win. <laughs> I and... want to win now. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, so final thing we're going to touch on real quick um, is the fact that. Uh, Nick Sirianni is headed to the Eagles. Uh, Marcus Brady uh, is going to be the new head coach or new offensive coordinator. Um, he was the Colts quarterback coach uh, and has been with the team since 2018. Um, my thoughts on this is I'm, I feel better that like it all happened very quickly. It wasn't a long drawn out process. So you would, you can infer from that that like, Hey, they, you know, this is a close second to who they want running the offense um, and so, uh, you know, it's, it's the ideologies and philosophies aren't that much different than, you know, Sirianni. So you feel good about that. Um, and then it also kind of does lean towards the Colts doing something, you know, Easton related uh, with quarterback position because of the fact that he's going to be, you know, he's worked closely, like you said, with Easton, um, you know, during the course of the, his first year in the league. So I, 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 I do feel okay about it just in the sense that like it all happened very fast. It wasn't anything too crazy and they just brought in Brady almost really right away yeah and you got to realize it wasn't the reason why it also went fast is because um Frank Reich does call his own plays so being an offensive coordinator for the Colts isn't like you're uh like a normal typical offensive coordinator so it that that helped them in that sense that it allowed uh you know some familiarity and you know Marcus Brady is right there with Sirianni helping draw up, you know, ideas and everything that with Frank Reich and, you know, he's got quarterback experience, which is a big plus with Frank Reich. So I love the hire. I love the promotion of um, getting uh, Brady up to offensive coordinator, because guess what? Had he not made that promotion, he may have gone with Sirianni. True. Very true. And that would have been a huge loss. Yeah. So I'm good with it. I, I think it's a good move uh, overall. Um, but that will do it uh, for this week's edition of the Crash Course Podcast. Thank you guys all uh, for tuning in, listening in. Um, remember, uh, we you can find us at Crash Course FM on Twitter, Crash Course Podcast on YouTube, uh, Crash Course Podcast on Facebook. Um, you can watch it live every week on twitch.tv slash 3C Media, and you can hear the podcast Every week on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts can be heard, you can hear the Crash Course Podcast. Again, another reminder, 
um, that we will not be on next Monday. The stream will happen next Thursday. It'll be our Super Bowl preview. Um, and then, uh, you know, the stream will be Thursday. And then we also, if you, if you typically listen to it on the audio version, uh, or you watch it on YouTube, it will come out uh, that following Friday. So be on the lookout for that. It will be really excited. We'll be basically solely breaking down the matchup between the Chiefs and the Bucks, so you won't want to miss it. B. Scott, before we go, where can they find you? You can always find me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Scott 87. Thinking about changing my Twitter handle, though, to uh, uh, something along the lines of, like, uh, all work and no play. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's all I do is I work. Hey, hey, you know what? I hear you on that one. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll be back next uh, Thursday with our Super Bowl preview. We're really excited to get into that, especially introducing some of the new members of the team uh, to 3C Media. But until then, have a good week, everybody.